Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, a podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. It's just like riding a bicycle. <laughs> I am D, and I am with my best friend Al. That's a me. You may notice I am driving this boat. You are at the wheel, and we I are. am holding on for you. <laughs> when we say Jesus hold the wheel, because I'm also in charge, I'm also <laughs> holding it, but I need Jesus to help me, because I don't have a driver's license help. A metaphor as tortured as Jesus was. <laughs> yeah, what a hero. <laughs> so, I'm talking now. Yes. I'm leading this, ex- because I pooked you, and I said, <laughs> I have an ad creep ready. You did. And this is because I woke up early. And I had a little nugget, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just do. Let me let me see if I can crank one out. <laughs> so then I masturbated, yeah, and then course. I wrote the ad. Of course, the, the, the that's an- the creative process. The answer is you can always crank one out. Yeah, it's <laughs> never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. So this ad creep is going back to the classics, where I have a historic fact that I found very interesting, and then I'm gonna <laughs> shoehorn a fucking Super Bowl ad to it. Excellent. Because guess what? It's the big game. It's double. I don't know when. This week. <laughs> I, I think either. it's... I just know it's the beginning of February. Yeah. I mean, football's kind of been gentrified by Taylor Swift, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're over it now. <laughs> Release it to the girlies. It's not for us anymore. It's for them. Yeah. And you know what? Good on them. Good for them. They should take it and see what they can make out of it. <laughs> okay. I have a game for you. Okay. I have a group of items. Okay. I'm going to tell you each item one at a time. Okay. You're going to tell me what they're used for. What they're used for. They're all used for the same thing. Okay. Okay. You might know a couple of them. Mm. The brazen bull. Oh. Any, any like first clues, any first like thoughts? I will tell you before you even started listing things. Yeah. um, My main thought was um, devices for sexual pleasure. (laughs) Well, we'll see how we... I will go to number two, the Spanish tickler. Ooh, is some sort of little feather on a stick? (laughs) Well, uh, number three, the scolds brindle. Oh! (laughs) She got me in the scolds brindle. (laughs) I've been talking shit about her, and now she got me locked. (laughs) Uh, And number four, the pair of anguish. Ah, this I do know. This this one you do know. So these are torture devices. Are they? Are they not? Al? Are they? I thought they were. Are they? (laughs) Yeah, today we're talking about torture or the illusion of torture. The illusion of... Oh, oh, so like uh, um, uh, BDSM. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Consent, safe words, you you, you chill out afterwards, love it. She gave me that pair of anguish. (laughs) I want to talk. I have so much to talk. I, I'm i talking about one specific quote-unquote torture device, but this other one, the pair of anguish, I do want to tell you about because it's buck wild. <laughs> when I talk about medieval torture dungeons, you may already have a specific mise-en-scene developing in your brain, <laughs> something conjured from those horrid wax museums or from the back of your grade 8 social studies classroom or for that one porn that you saw. Yeah. The one porn. The one, it was the one porn. But, like, those... Those ones, it ain't. It ain't about the torture. No. Well, it it is. It is. But it also ain't. But it also ain't. God. <laughs> but like the majority of that very grade eight social studies textbook, 
your picture of this version of history is a lie. <gasps> I've been lied to yeah, by, by the history. establishment? <laughs> by, by your history teacher. No! Torture during the Middle Ages, especially during the Spanish Inquisition and the Crusades, did indeed exist, but it was not nearly as common as was portrayed in our common media. Hmm. All those bizarre and blood-curdling devices that have become so iconic are largely hoaxes. Wow. Yeah, did you Fake. know? Yeah, fake. Fake and gay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's exactly what the, the, the kid in my class told me. I actually, props to the children. Yeah? I was teaching about the Spanish Inquisition, and I had a torture device up, and a kid raised their hand, and they're like, Mixed D, that's fake. Wow. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, look it up. And so we looked it up together, and it's, that's this ad creep. That's awesome. So thanks, thanks, kid. Thanks, kids. <laughs> Please don't listen to this. <laughs> All the devices I listed above either never existed or were never medieval at all oh. or were never used for medieval torture at all. Wow. But I do want to talk about one that is so iconic it has inspired movies, tattoos, and a whole heavy metal band. <gasps> the notorious Iron Maiden. It's her. She's here. She's here. It's also called the Nuremberg Virgin. Which is oh, super. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't like that. <laughs> the OG one is so buck wild. <laughs> Um, the notorious Iron Maiden was a large metal cabinet that was large enough to fit a person in. Mm-hmm. It had spikes jutting out from the inside, so as the door slowly closed, the victim would be pierced. Many quote-unquote accounts claim that the spikes were placed as to not hit any vital organs, assuring a slow, painful, bloodless death. That's that's the bloodless? Yeah, well, because all your blood fall out. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess that's not what that means fall, usually. Yeah. Meaning you are bloodless. At the end of okay. it, you're bloodless. Great. <laughs> but And then the Iron Maiden would be blood full. The box is a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For an object to be so notorious is an absolute shock that there is no evidence that Iron Maidens existed prior to the 19th century. And there is actually no evidence that any Iron Maidens were ever actually used in the act of torture. Wow. The first place historians see mention of the Iron Maiden was in a guidebook for the city of Nuremberg, written by the 18th century philosopher Johann Philipp Seinbinnies. Mm. The guidebook claimed that the Iron Maiden was used to execute someone who was creating counterfeit money. Even though this story was known to be crafted exclusively for this guidebook and for tourists, the city of Nuremberg kind of leaned into the kitsch and displayed their own Iron Maiden as early as 1802. So they're like, oh, yeah, this story that he made up, let's fucking get into it. People have always just been making shit up. Yeah. (laughs) The first one, there's pictures and some of my sources. It's like a what you think of like a coffin Iron Maiden, but it's got like a very crafted Virgin Mary's head on the top of it. It's really dope actually. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll sit in there. (laughs) Their first hoax was destroyed during World War II, of course, Mm. but that did not kill the myth. In the early 19th century, more phony Iron Maidens popped up in oddity shows. People would pay a coin or two to see the torture device and hear the ever more gruesome details of how it worked. The showman would tell the supposed story, adding to the myth to gain more of their audience's attention. An Iron Maiden, with all its carefully crafted conman mythos, was even constructed and displayed for the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. Ah. So by that, it's like when 
who knew that it was just one of those myths? It's kind of like the Fijian mermaid, yeah, is what I would say, or um, chastity belts as well. Oh, are, yeah. are the same thing where no one actually were used. It's kind of a well. Now they do. well, yeah. <laughs> well, now they do. <laughs> we sort of reclaimed that one. All I can think about is the TikTok with the guy who said, "Oh, I found this egg separator in the thrift store, and it was a cock cage." <laughs> And he, he cracked an egg in it, and it, like, perfectly separated the white from the yolk. What? <laughs> Incredible. That's all I can think about. <laughs> Look, you keep your cock locked up, but also you can make a nice souffle. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> what? Today, Iron Maidens are still exhibited in museums around the world, but none were made before the 19th century. Mm. In fact, there are many contraptions that have been labeled, quote, medieval torture devices, with not one piece of primary evidence that concludes that, number one, these pieces were medieval, or number two, these devices were used as means of torture. So why have them at all? As the oddity show shows us, a paying audience loves the idea of torture. True, 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 true. I want to talk a little bit about that, the pair. Please, because I was going to ask. Okay, there's a pair, and there's also one called the pyramid. Mm. And it's basically like you put it in an orifice, mm-hmm. and then you expand it. Yeah, that's what I thought. And there's like things of like it's it's molten hot, and they put it in down your throat or up your butt or up your vagina, whatever. So the ones that are currently on display and labeled as pair of anguish, mechanically, mm-hmm. they could not – the force of your body – would fight against them. They're oh. not They're not strong enough to do the thing that they were supposed wow. to do. Like, mechanically, it wouldn't work. Can you imagine if you're, like, a medieval, like, torturer, and you're like, boss, I'm trying to use the pair of anguish on this lady, but... <laughs> she's just fighting back. I think she is enjoying and it, actually. She's actually having a great she's time. She's liking it. She's having a great time over here. <laughs> yeah, it just, it mechanically, even if it was real, yeah. it couldn't work the way that... The bodies is strong. Yeah, bodies is real strong. Um... And even the things like the rack, mm. we know we know about the rack. We've heard of the rack. Uh, it was a thing. Yeah. You know, Foucault would be proud, but it just wasn't used very often. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more show, right? So we really made a big deal of something that doesn't happen very much. No, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. humans are like, this is nuts. Let's check this out. It's like that whole drawn and quartered. This thing. I was going to ask about this. Yeah. So in Foucault's Crime and Punishment, he starts out, I cannot believe we started to get out Foucault. <laughs> I made sorry. you do it. Uh, in Foucault's Crime and Punishment, the beginning story of, of his book is how the very first person who was drawn and quartered. So it's it's listed as a punishment for a very, yeah. very long time, but no one actually tried it or did it. And the, so it's if you if you never heard about it, it's um, you put each limb with a horse, basically. Yeah, you're tied you tie to a each horse. of one, someone's limbs to a horse. So. And then you say go and you're supposed to like... The horses go in opposite directions, yeah. and it pulls it was a, a mess. A man in the twain. first time the primary sources about this, and ev- everyone reported on it. It was a mess trying to do this properly. It just did not work. It was it, one of those things that like works in concept. Yeah, the human body is so resilient that they weren't able to torture. The <laughs> body keeps the score <laughs> <laughs> of four horses, <laughs> one body versus four horses. So they had to like physically hack the body apart for it to get any pull awful yeah it's fucking (laughs) crime and punishment Foucault man that was a whole mood yeah this is why corporations have used torture 
in their ad campaigns to draw attention to whatever they are peddling. But the difference is, for the most part, this torture is very real. Hmm. Or is it? <gasps> oh, no. God, you keep trying to get me. And yeah, get, I got you. You're succeeding. I know. Product torture tests are dramatic and persuasive, which is why advertisers have been using them since print advertising took hold of. When television arrived, however, the torture test really came into its own. Viewers could watch in what they thought was real time as a product was crushed, dropped, twisted, or beaten. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Then see it continue to work as if it had never been touched. The earliest torture test that I can find can be traced back to 1948, where Band-Aid slapped their super sticky bandages on a set of eggs oh. and put them in a pot of boiling water. What? The egg was then pulled up by the Band-Aid and held over the ground, but the Band-Aid refused to budge. That's BS. Is one egg. <laughs> what? Yeah, they boiled it. That's the torture test. That was the very first one. Um... This torture test inspired many future campaigns. In 1954, RCA Victor non-breakable impact case was the perfect candidate. The Victor was first dropped from a ladder, mm. and then the campaign upped the ante and dropped one from a helicopter. <laughs> this made the RCA Victor radio with its, quote, ear-feeling golden throat tone. Sorry? Yeah, I wanted to include that. To become the nation's best-selling portable radio. Wow. Ear-filling golden throat tone. Yeah, that's several <laughs> several fetishes at once. I didn't think this was going to get horny. <laughs> it started but horny. It started, I'm sorry. <laughs> In 1956, Timex partnered with the ad agency Hearst and Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> I love that cat. Yeah, man. In hopes of becoming a leader in torturing its products on TV, mm. they hired former NBC News anchor John Cameron Swayze to walk the audience through each set of new, increasingly spectacular ways of destroying their watches. The ads are filmed in one continuous shot, careful not to cut away, hoping to fulfill the F FCC requirement uh, because they're quick at that point to jump on any falsified claims. Yeah. The Timex Watches survives torture tests with paint mixers, jackhammers, water skiers, and a 87-foot dive off of cliffs in Mexico. Huh. Every test, after every test, John Cameron Swayze shows the, the display of the watch head and shows that it's still functioning, then hits their slogan, it takes a licking uh, and keeps on ticking. It sure does. I didn't know that's where this was from. I didn't either, but wow. Yeah. So the, the ad campaign was... They did a lot of these and they realized like in the 80s, I think it was like 87, they had to end it, right? So they ended it, John, John Swayze, he's in front of an elephant mm. and the elephant steps on the watch and finally it breaks. And then it's like, oh, I guess that's it. And then they finish the ad campaign. Well, that was one licking it couldn't take. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that. It's also very sexual. It is, yes. Because <laughs> that's me, man. <laughs> In the 1960s, a Milwaukee-based lock company was floundering to find their place in the market. They partnered with an ad agency, Campbell Mitham, to come in and develop a plan of attack, specifically one with a gun. Hmm. The first master lock torture ad test, which debuted in 1965, featured a man shooting a product with a 44 Magnum handgun. Hmm. The effect of the ad was not exactly what Masterlock had in mind. Quote, People didn't believe it, so they take padlocks and shoot it and send us the lock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Former Mashalock Advertising Director Edison F. Allen told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in a 1994 interview, Mashalock looked at the locks, which had wadding from the shells stuck in the laminations, and realized that people walked up to the locks, shoot them in close range, and this was very dangerous. <laughs> I just love to be that guy watching the TV like, fucking no it doesn't. Ethel, give me, give me my gun! <laughs> Give me my gun. I'll show these dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> just point blank shoot it and then send it to the addy. Like, send it to Master Log. Like, fuck you. <laughs> um, not wanting to be featured in the inevitable don't try this at home news stories, Master Lock shelved the ad campaign into the early 1970s where they revamped the vision. Mm. This time, they would use a rifle instead of a handgun to shoot at a lock. That'll show them. Alan's reasoning was that very few copycats would, quote, foolishly attempt to shoot a lock point blank with a rifle. Not true! <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Really overestimating the American yeah. public. Oh, man. Quote, there is all sorts of concern over whether it was sending the wrong message by having a bullet go through their lock. Joe Berner of Campbell Mitham uh, told the journal Sentinel. But gradually, they saw it was a pretty damn good idea. A thief couldn't just shoot it away. <laughs> this is also a time where there was a lot of worry about firearms and gun control, as there is now. So there were public relations concerns. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So funny to think about a guy just walking up and shooting along. <laughs> and then coming in and taking all your stuff. Yeah, man. That's exactly how they do it. Not go through the fucking window that's right next to it <laughs> not easily pick the lock no right oh yeah oh yeah so by the way it's really easy to pick a lock <laughs> yeah it's so much easier it's easier to pick a lock than it is to get a gun and like <laughs> guns are pretty easily gotten it's easier to pick the lock yeah any lock i'll tell you i had a sticky lock did you have a sticky lock on my door my bedroom door which is open to which is disconnect to the outside yeah and i got some graphite lubricant powder and sprayed Damn. it in there unstuck it perfectly wow but also i imagine it made it much easier to pick <laughs> also did you try a gun i did not try well, a gun next time next time brother <laughs> the rifle torture test ran during the 1974 super bowl and uh. instead of copycat lock shootings gone wrong, Master Lock got a boost in sales. It was such a big win that the company made their torture test a yearly Super Bowl tradition. Oh, God. From 1973 to 1994, annual sales jumped from $35 million to $200 million. Hmm. They are the lock. They're the lock. They're the lock. But is Master Lock's torture test nothing but an ad campaign Iron Maiden? Can this product actually withstand a bullet? To Edison F. Allen's chagrin, the public has indeed shot locks <laughs> with rifles, and they have posted about it on the internet. Good on them. According to Widener's Reloading and Shooting Supply. Yes. A website that has for sure put me on some sort of watch list. <laughs> Master Lock's ability to hold up a bullet is a hoax. Wow. The site, which surprisingly follows some sort of NRA-tainted scientific method, <laughs> Brought, it's in my sources, folks, <laughs> bought uh, 10 master locks to the shooting range with their handgun and a federal American Eagle 9mm 124-grain FMG. Don't know what that means, but I thought it was important. <laughs> and fired from 10 feet away. 
they were very quick to point out that the shrapnel from the locks, quote, made us question how safe it is to shoot a padlock at close quarters. It's not safe. <laughs> Don't do it. The results are categorized in Widener's post, but the majority amounted to what they called catastrophic failure. Wow. Got him. <laughs> this has got your journalism at its best. <laughs> Are you ready to see someone shoot a master lock? I'm so excited. Uh, You can watch it, the Super Bowl ad, in our sources. We'll return after these messages. With this high-powered 30 caliber rifle, we're going to try to blast open this master lock model number 15. We blew a half-inch hole clear through, but the master lock still holds tight. If you want to hold on to what you've got, insist on genuine master locks, known for being tough under fire. Welcome back to the show. Wow. Yeah. Very aggressive. Very, very so aggressive. military. And it's very interesting for a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Pretty pretty loose. I mean, they've got a gun. Yeah. But pretty pretty chill for an ad, Super Bowl ad. That's true. I guess it was 74. Yeah, maybe, they, you know, they weren't killing off Mr. Peanut back in 74. <laughs> no, no, no. They couldn't dream about killing off a peanut. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> With a 30 caliber rifle. An assassina- assassination attempt. <laughs> Can you describe what you saw? Yes. Um, okay, so we're the, the dark barrel of a rifle. Things are clicking into place. <laughs> yeah, we're on top of a, a, wa- a watchtower. Like fucking... <laughs> the grassy knoll is in the distance. <laughs> we pull out to see a man, an older man yeah. with yellowed glasses, safety glasses. What do those do? Do you know? I guess stop from get, getting shrapnel in your eye. Oh, or it's safety. Yeah, yeah, actually, that could be it. Uh, yeah. And he's wearing some sort of red flannel, yeah. I think. And, sure. um they're talking about this gun. It's some sort of rifle. It's thirty caliber. That's all I absorbed. That's big. That's I don't know what that lot. means. I only know about caliber of guns from playing Fallout 4. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I can't tell you anything. Um, except that I did have a fifty caliber sniper rifle, and it Damn. was very powerful. That's bigger than thirty. Yeah. So well, you know your way around these rifles. I don't. <laughs> uh, and then he, they show you the master lock. They give us a beautiful close up. It's on a giant like Looney Tunes yeah. red and white target. <laughs> <laughs> the type Wiley E Coyote couldn't hit. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. And the man, he squeezes that trigger oh. and kablam! Shoots an inch a. What, an inch diameter hole through right the lock? Right through it. Right through. Right we saw through. it. But the lock? It's stuck. She's still good, folks. And the guy, he walks up and he kind of jerks it. Like, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> can't get it off. It's always time to jerk Sorry. it. Uh, and then you get a beautiful product shot of several master locks, including the eponymous one from Everybody Had on Their Lockers. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, God, I was so bad at those. I still have mine. Really? Yeah, I still have mine from, like, swim team when I was in junior high. Oh. It's master lock. It still works. And I still remember it. Just by touch, I still remember the code. That's incredible. I couldn't tell you the numbers, but I can tell you <laughs> I can do it. And also displayed with these master locks on the giant target is several large caliber Bullets. Yes. And they're all on the target. They are. Yeah. And they say tough under fire. That's the that's the one. Wow. So I'm so glad nobody shot my locker open. 
Because there was a lot of pretty stinky Tupperware in there. Oh, no. <laughs> you know there's no. that one fuzzy orange at the back. Oh, God. You've done locker crimes. I absolutely have done locker crimes. In your, um, I wonder if this was just a thing in the States in the 90s, early aughts. But, like, did you have couples who, like, shared lockers and that was a thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. God, I remember. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> Our books touched. <laughs> well, in my in my high school, my high school was so big that I left some books. My friends and I would leave books in others lo- other people's oh, lockers. Because, yeah. like, if you were close to the, like, I don't know, uh, uh, history department, you wanted your history book there. But if you, the English department's, like, across the way. We kind of did that as well because there was so, yeah, there were, like, four separate pods of yeah. lockers and then a bunch of, like, ones against the wall. And so they were quite spread out. But my high school wasn't particularly yeah. big. Today, kids just don't use lockers. Beautiful. They don't. There's Incredible. lockers there available for them. They don't. They carry everything in their backpacks. So would I. And I said, why? They do s- it again? And they said, why? I, I, I asked them why. And they said, well, we just keep forgetting our locker numbers. So. <laughs> that was also the problem I had. Uh, the front desk staff get mad at them if they keep asking. So they don't use their lockers. <laughs> God. Um, before we go to 2024, please, I do. You inspired me with that one time where you talked about that um, you didn't like that. I didn't like where you talked about, um, YouTube comments. Yeah. Well, I have tough under fire stories from master lock. Oh, bull. And I just have one. Okay. Because it's, I would say buck wild. (laughs) This is from Danita from Crawfordville. I don't know where Crawfordville is. (laughs) The other day, I locked my keys in my house with no way to get back in. It's August in North Florida, and it, it was just sweltering hot, and I'm fully dressed in jeans and heels. Oh. I called... <laughs> Al is leaning forward. <laughs> I called a friend, and she came over with her bolt cutters. Who could have thought they wouldn't cut the master lock? <gasps> four hours later, and I'm finally peeling off my soaking clothing. Oh. Well, four hours, a grinder, a hammer, a pry bar... And a pry bar made into a chisel. This is the toughest lock I've ever seen. Master number five, dot, 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 bad boy. Dear penthouse. And, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to share that. That was hot. I was like, <laughs> it got me going. I was just scrolling through and it's just like guys and talking about their locks. And here's Danita. Danita. Danita, you sold me a master lock. <laughs> Forget the bullets, girl. Wow. It's 2024. It's 2024. And master lock, you know what? The Super Bowl's coming up. And or, it, or it's already happened. Or, and or it's already happened. <laughs> who, who could know? Who could possibly know? And we're still locking things. We are still locking things. Yeah. What are we locking? Everything. Everything. So many things. I have to say, when you were talking about the commercial and, like, the testing, I kept imagining the lock of a front door and not, like, a... Because this is, like, a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a padlock. Just walking up to someone's front door (laughs) and shooting the lock in. I mean, people have done that on movies and stuff. Yeah, certainly. But that's not real. Uh, Or is it? Or is it? Who knows? Who's to say? Um... Anyways, it's it's 2024. Yes, and we have pad- padlocks are in our lives. Yes. They're everywhere. And, you know, you need to keep your stuff safe. Yeah. It's so dangerous out there. Yeah. Um, and I think that we need special padlocks that we can keep <laughs> our hormones in. 
Because there's someone across Wait. the street with a sniper rifle <laughs> with a laser sight on it. Yeah. They're trying to fucking blow open our, our little lockers with our testosterone and estrogen have, in there. I do, folks. I do have my little box. And it could have a little lock in it. That's very cute. That's I think I think our box. commercial for the Super Bowl, which will be widely not received well. Master <laughs> um, Lock, this is your chance. <laughs> is you have... You have a T-boy. He's in his house. Yeah. He's like, it's time to do my shot. Yeah. He goes to his locker. He's got his little master lock. Yeah. He, like, opens it. He does his shot. He puts it away. And then across the street, a man with a sniper rifle. (laughs) No, no. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling with a sniper (laughs) rifle has just a little laser sight that appears on the lock. Because they're going to... It's a two-person operation. Yeah, of course. There's that guy. And then there's the other guy who's in the house already. Yeah, absolutely. And he's waiting to take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because he can't let this young woman mutilate her body. <laughs> or, and or, he wants some free tea. <laughs> it's hard to get. It's hard to get, dude. But you got to protect it. So he yeah. takes his aim and he takes his shot and the bullet goes through the window and just thinks off the lock. <laughs> and hits the other man. Yes, and hits <laughs> the other man who then the T-boy stands over menacingly. <laughs> uh, uh, the opposite of this commercial is um, uh, locking away your trans puppy girl. <gasps> yes. And you can't. You, you, you cannot. That lock got to be secure because she will get out. <laughs> and she will chew on your friend. She will make a mess. <laughs> She's created for her safety. This podcast is pro puppy girl. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Bless a puppy girl. <laughs> we could do a whole line of transsexual master lock. Hey, master lock? Sponsor More us. Or like transster lock. Oh! <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't think that was anything, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Okay. You could be right. <laughs> Oh, Al. Yes. I think it's time for a local ad. And I have one for you. You finally get to dip into I your get, big list. I have such a big, long Ugh. list. Lock. I don't like how you said that. So many ads on to, my big, long list. I had to watch those words come out of your mouth. And you hated it. Yep. And this ad comes to us from... Yeah. Coromel, New South Wales. Ooh. It's Australia. It's Australia. <gasps> Nara. Nara. I'm trying to hoon. <laughs> Hooning? Hooning? What's hooning? Is when they drive their cars dangerously and try to blow the tires out. Oh. I thought I should know that. How do you know that? Uh, you know. You're a car guy. I have my ways. <laughs> Anyways. No, nah, I'm on Smoko, etc. Okay. If you want to watch this uh, hooning, please. <laughs> I would not call go this a hooning. If you want to watch this gooning, please go to Okay. Our- <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Please go to our sources and watch along with us. Hoonin' and goonin'. Wow. Oh, wow. I'd hoon and goon. It's so hard to have a gay time on your own. It could be that great chocolate and biscuit coating. Could be that smooth toffee ice cream in the center. So hard to have a gay time on your own. It could be that whole delicious golden gay time taste. Streets golden gay time. More like a party than an ice cream. It's time for a gay time. It's time for, I would argue it's not hard to have a gay time on your own. <laughs> 
I have it every single morning <laughs> when the producer gets out of bed early <laughs> and I'm left to my own devices. Um, and your devices. And, and all the devices. <laughs> we have poor man's Rick Moranis. Yes. <laughs> and he is wearing those Ray-Ban glasses that I also currently wear. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's hard to have, have a gay time alone. Mm-hmm. Do what year was this? Oh, I think this was like the eighties. So they they knew. Uh, mm, were they like we're taking it back? No, we're taking it back from the <laughs> homosexuals. So this is an ice cream bar called a Golden Gay Time. Oh, uh, Golden Gay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even get the golden. I <laughs> which is one of the types of gay times that you can have. Um, <laughs> and it's not for everyone. I think there are also like chocolate gay times and etc. I love it. Just a whole other. <laughs> It takes a lot of prep. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have, it take a lot of prep eating this ice cream. <laughs> well, no, I need oh, exactly. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. It it does. does. <laughs> Equally. And it's funny because you have, you have golden gay time. You can't have chocolate golden gay time <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's my cross to bear. Wow. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this to my. You're so welcome. I can't. Sometimes products are named things, and you wonder, like, they're going to die on this hill. Yeah. Like, this probably was named that for a very long time. I think it's still named that. Is it really? I believe so. (gasps) Can I get Golden Gay Time right now? Possibly. You tell the folks how they can get a hold of us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, If you'd like to have a Golden Gay Time by listening to this podcast, you can find us on Instagram, Blue Sky, Coffee, TikTok, other ones. Uh, you can also email us, adcreeps at gmail.com, if you want to send us a very fun ad from wherever you are or yeah. that you've seen and enjoy. Yeah. So, um, folks, Golden Gay Time's still around, and they got lots of flavors. Yeah. Is oh. that a rainbow gay time? There's a rainbow gay time. There's a chocolate gay time. There's a toffee. There's a, oh, my gosh. Oh, its name has survived intact regardless or because of the possible homosexual connotations <laughs> in modern decades. Bless the gays. Bless the gays. They're keeping the gay time around. You no, know, honestly, if I was in uh, uh, New Zealand, Australia, whatever, and I saw a golden gay time, I would buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't buy ice cream because it makes my tummy hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I would consume it and I have a really good gay time. Yeah. Wow. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to Hannah, who wrote us a really lovely five star review on iTunes. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Is it, Hannah the listener who has listened since we did the X Files podcast? I believe that they did say that. Wow. Yes. Well, yeah. You made it through it, through it all. You did. Gosh. Uh, through two name changes, two genders, two genders, two voices, <laughs> four voices. Yeah, four voices, man. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um. Yeah, so, you know, write us a review and make us feel nice. It, it is, it's good for That's the good. soul. It is actually good. Al sends it to me and we go, ee. <laughs> we do that, yeah. Okay, it's time to let the puppy girls out of the cage. Until next Finally. time. <laughs> they have to go pee-pee poo-poos. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, we are signing, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>
Papa Bear just told me to put on my best blue jeans. <laughs> da, da, <laughs> da, 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 da,